Hello, and welcome into the Facts Not Feelings podcast, powered by BZ Consultants Group, with your host, Brooke Furness. Each week, I sit down with experts in the respected fields as we discuss how we can move this wonderful automotive industry forward by differentiating facts from feelings. Our conversation explore how my guests got to where they are today and how they achieve success. All right, let's jump in. Well, happy Friday, everyone. Welcome into Facts Not Feelings. We have made it. And if anybody has had the week like myself and many others, we are hanging by in by the like skin of our teeth. It has been a crazy, crazy week. And Micah, I know that you're here. I can't really see you, but I know that you're here. We are so excited to have Micah. Like I would like fill your the screen, but then I, I really can't yeah, feel you. Yeah. I know you're I can hear you. Then the senses when you're blind are enhanced so I can hear you really, really well. So <laughs> very excited to have Micah Burkholz in with me today on Facts Not Feelings. And today, man, we are talking all about the balancing vendor accountability and optimization. And so many times, if you're thinking to yourself, ah, how do I do that? How do I know if I'm doing that? And is it really that important? We're going to get all into that. So I'm so, so excited to do that. And Mike is actually coming to us from GM headquarters. So we got all sorts of stuff going on today. <laughs> I mean, check this yeah, out. Yeah. Seriously, seriously. And, yeah. and Peter, Peter Smith, I just want to say hello to you, buddy. Thank you so much for all, all the support. Love all about the support. Thank you so much for that. And as always, this topic is something that is near and dear, not only to my heart, but to Micah and his team at Visdash. And we're going to get into that in a, in a hot second here. But this is such a vital, vital topic. I cannot stress all incredibly important this is because as we're going to be talking about the ever evolving landscape of vendor accountability and optimization and the, the honestly the challenges of that because a lot of people will tell you oh yeah we're going to help with that or yeah we do that when you dive into it till you find that they have unfortunately they're not necessarily product agnostic and they're kind of pushing their own agenda or they might be hiding something for you so we're going to dive onto that so with that there is somebody that needs to hear this message. There's a GM, a sales manager, maybe it's even a sales associate, a BDC, somebody out there, or maybe it's one of your partners right now that be like, hey, are we doing this? Tag them, share this with them, get the comments rolling in with, with this. Last week, and I apologize, Eric, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, I know you responded back to me on LinkedIn, and that was our winner last week with Facts Not Feeling Swag. So, Super appreciate all the comments and keep them rolling in here. We've already got some uh, rolling in right now. And Angus Fox, is he, as we know all Angus, he, this is one of his favorite subjects. He's got a whole series on us about, yeah, he's definitely going to have some, some hot, hot takes on this one. So with that, Micah, good old, my good friend, Mike, we've known each other for a long time. <clears throat> yeah. This is a topic that you and I, I know we spend a lot of time talking about this. And before we jump into this, you just had an incredible race that you were sharing some screenshots of your, I don't know, they were PRs, I believe, uh, the PRs on the on your race, wasn't it? So so it was my first time doing what is called a Spartan trifecta uh, in one weekend. And so the uh, the trifecta is three races, and most people try to do three, fa- three of these races in a year. My goal was to do it all in one weekend. So it was a Spartan race is a, is a distance race plus obstacles. So any of those races could have uh, anywhere from 10 to 30 different different obstacles. So the first one on Saturday was it was a, a half marathon, so 13 miles. 
plus the obstacles. But what happens is if you, if you fail at an obstacle, you have to do a penalty. So you either have to do 30 burpees or they go ahead and have you do a penalty loop. So instead of doing the burpees, I did the extra running. So my half marathon turned into a little over 14 miles, but it was, it was still a very, very fun time. But, and so I did that one on Saturday and then Sunday morning, I did a 10 K and then Sunday afternoon, I did a 5 K. So back to back to back, uh, 30 degrees, waist deep mud. It was all of a good time. And I'm like most, I used to be not, not like most, like most people are like, I'm just tired and worn out just listening to you. I'm guessing like most people watching right now are like, so I just took a nap listening to you pretty much. Yeah, okay. I used to be an avid, avid. <laughs> They're like, uh, I don't even drive that far, but you're running that far? Okay, sounds good. I think you and Yago can, are, are running that far. I used to be a super yeah. avid runner, and then I, I tore and broke about everything, and then they were – it was actually after – I ruptured a tendon in my foot because of anterior tibialis and they're like, you're done running. And I was like, okay, that, that, that's awesome. Okay. But that is, that is incredible. So with that, I, there's so much accountability with that. Not only do you have, you're yep. penalized if you don't do something with that, but I also know as a, as a former runner, the amount that if you missed a day, if let's say if you're training for whatever, the amount of accountability with that is astronomical, which as we, as, as it so happens, we're talking about accountability. So, I would think with that, I mean, translate into what you normally do with, with what you do right now with Vista Dash, because you've, you've been in the industry for 20 years. I mean, you've seen yeah. a lot of what you do with that. So before jumping into the meat of that, I mean, how do you correlate your running and your marathon and all your hardcore training, your diet and everything to what you do with, with what you do right now with Vista Dash and holding people accountable? Yeah, so I, I really believe that there's a lot of correlation between uh, long distance running, obstacle course racing, and what we do with vendors every single day. And and, and it, it, it makes sense when you start to break it down, because if you're doing a 13 mile run, or you're doing a 10 or a 10 K, a six mile run, um, you have different goals for each of those situations. You have to have different hydration plan. You have to have different fuel plans. So you have to figure out exactly what your goals are. Like for my goal, it was, I wanted to be, uh, be done with the race, hit all the obstacles by X time. So time was a, a time period. How long am I spending doing this? And where am I at for those uh, for those different obstacles? Because just like in marketing, you're going to have an obstacle that pops up. How are you going to overcome that? You may not expect something and you need to just be able to, to, to think on the uh, thick, quick on your feet and make a quick adjustment. So instead of doing uh, a strategy of climbing over a wall this way with your hands, you might realize your hands are cold. They're frozen because it's 30 degrees. They've been in freezing water. You can't hold on to anything. So what do you do? Well, instead of using your hands, you start using your arms. And that's where you get bruising like that that's all over fantastic. your body. Nice. Right? So what happened is I couldn't grab. So I had to wing it over. Now, when we are working with a vendor, they tell us what the goals are that they have for you. You have your own personal goals. There might be a disconnect and you have an obstacle that now you are spending money doing one thing and the results are something different. So you have to make an adjustment. Instead of using your hands, you got to swing over with your body. So that's what I see as a direct correlation with obstacle course racing, making sure that your training is, that you understand it. Because the training wasn't at the race. It was the months before that I did to learn what I needed to do in order to get there. And then once again, an obstacle is going to pop up and you don't know what to do with. 
So you have to adjust. You have to pivot. And that is what we see in our industry so often is that partnership has different expectations than what you thought. And then not only you as a marketer, but maybe maybe your boss has a very different idea of what those outcomes should be. It's so true. I'll never forget. So that when I was running a lot, I was doing, and not that I recommend this anymore, but I was running about a hundred miles a week. And we had, uh, was a, I was home visiting my family and they had like a 5k. Well, when you're running that long of a distance, 5k, you're just warming up. So it really is. It really is. And so like they take off and I was like, oh, okay. So now I've got to freaking sprint this and I'm not used to, I don't start getting to my, get that gate until later on. So it's a completely different mindset. So as a, when you're going into automotive with when working with your vendors and working with different agencies and what have you to try to have my expectations were X, but now I got to go to Y. I was like, Oh my shit. What am I? I don't, my body doesn't know how to do this. Like I'm still warming up three, four miles in. And now I got to switch into sprint mode. So unless I ran, unless I had already done, you know, my warm up of five miles beforehand, I wouldn't even be into that. So now your body's like really cold. So it's the same thing. You have completely different mindsets of where you need to be and the expectations. But if someone would be like, oh, we're going to measure this on, on this. So it's so, so important. So yeah, yeah it's, it's for, so true. For, for example, say you're working with an SEM provider. Okay. You have, oh, you're welcome. You're welcome, Jeff. <laughs> and between that and we got James here is that uh, Jane, was say, Jane was saying that did someone did my favorite exercises for me. We've got all sorts of fun things going on here about my favorite <laughs> exercises. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. But, but for example, you're working with an SEM provider. All right. And they, they come to you with the goals of their campaigns. And they, they, you, then you start analyzing the actual outcomes from those campaigns, calls, chat, text, form completions, whatever they are. You might not see those, but you might see some like little micro activities and you start seeing that, that consumer journey. You thought you were going to get more direct conversions from that campaign. But what you realized is that you might be getting some good mid to upper level type funnel, sales funnel type activity. That doesn't necessarily mean that that is not a good campaign for you to use. It's just that you have to adjust. You have to adjust your mindset. Okay, so instead of having this as the core, as the pivot of what I'm going to have the majority of my uh, my direct leads coming from, these are shoppers that are in the research. I need to just make, make an adjustment. Maybe that's what you really need. So maybe we just adjust the spend, keep it because you're seeing a lot of great activity. But if you're not even seeing those events and goals that are firing off that you were expecting to see, right? You're looking for those specific conversions. Where did they end up? For example, I uh, I ran the wrong way in a race once. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I was I was, <laughs> I was just talking. Yeah, so I was talking to uh, Joe Gillespie uh, from Dealery Process this morning on a call, and we were talking about uh, this ultra race that we did in Tahoe once. And uh, he goes, do you ever, do you ever have somebody that you follow that you realize that they were going the wrong way for like a mile or two? And I turned to him, I said, you know what, Joe, I was that guy that took the wrong turn. So I led him the wrong way. Right. So I still have got to a destination. I just went a really long, bad way around to get there. Right. And so that happens with our campaigns as well. Right. Oh Maybe yeah. They all, the, all the time, all the time. They clicked on the ad and guess what? They came to your website. That's kind of, but it wasn't where you were intending to direct them. So yeah. if you're not analyzing that full uh, journey with that vendor and, and saying, hey, yeah, you did do what you said you're going to do. However, this could be better optimized. 
So as we start transitioning into that conversation of accountability and optimization, two very different tools that you're that you use as a as a as a marketing director, as a general manager, as you're evolving, uh, evaluating what's going on, you have to oh oh. Well, <laughs> we've got <laughs> who's where's Waldo? <laughs> where, where's, where's, the who, who one is that crazy guy. Who is that crazy guy? The I don't one, know. The only. <laughs> I think James someone Klaus. there. We have we have an extra on the scene today. I don't know if I need to pay him royalties or not, but we do have an extra on the scene today. <laughs> Grab a hey, there was a field trip over. There was a field trip. There was this earlier. So. And and one more. And he's running. No, I didn't know. I didn't think he could. I did not I think, think he could move that fast. I don't even think he likes to run. So I don't even know what we're doing here. So. <laughs> And that is the comedy portion of the show, everyone. This is, is the joys of going live. Well, so that's it. You 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 have to be able to pivot. That's you just have true. To be able to pivot. Right? So with so. that, look, you brought up about the, the there is a difference because so often it's like I, I hear all the time it's the same thing. Well, there's not. So what it and what is the difference between vendor accountability and then vendor optimization? Because there is a difference. So explain the difference. Okay. Well, I, I think we need to break down a couple things first before we do that. Let's let's first talk about who's your vendor. Yeah. Right. So the, the vendor could be external. It could be a third party provider, SEM provider, it could be autotradercars.com, cargoes, whoever it might be. It could be your chat provider, provider, telephony, website provider. Those are vendors. But also, if you have somebody internally making decisions, they're also the vendor for the dealer. Your marketing director can be your vendor. So you, how do you hold them accountable? And how do you hold those partners all accountable so accountability breaking it down is these are the goals this is the goals that you say you are providing us this is what the outcomes are going to be now how do those the actual activities that we're monitoring line up to that uh, those goals that you sedated you're going to be fulfilling if there's a disparity between what they say they're going to execute on and deliver and what the realization is that is where the question of accountability comes in play. It's not saying you're doing a bad job. I think we too often focus on vilification. Oh, man. That's a big one. A vendor, right? Because mm-hmm. if they're, they're not doing what they said that they were going to do, that means that they are bad, they're evil, I need to get rid of them. The intention behind that partner coming to you saying, hey, we think this is going to do this. This is what you're buying. And something else is the result is not necessarily vilification. It's an obstacle that you weren't expecting. You need to figure out how to get around that before saying, I'm just not going to do this obstacle. Instead of just cutting it out, what was the result? So if if the results say you were expecting to get a whole bunch of chats, you're looking to go get a whole bunch of chat sessions. You're looking for a strong shopper coming to your website, and you're expecting to get all these chats firing off. But for some reason, you didn't get those. You then say, okay, what did we receive? Well, we got phone calls, and we got a couple of lead submissions, right? So we went this other route. What was the quality of those, right? Maybe instead of putting all the eggs in the basket, maybe your shoppers don't like to chat. The consumer... Yeah. Maybe not doesn't want to do that. Maybe you want them to do that, but it's not about what you want them to do. It's how is the process fulfilling what the actual needs of that shopper are. Mm-hmm. So instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and cut rid of them, I'm going to say, hey, how does this now fit a different part of my strategy? Yeah. 
big time, big thing that we see a lot of is uh, we've got all of these uh, providers saying you need to get rid of, or I'd say providers, agencies, other vendors saying you need to get rid of the third party providers because you're wasting your money. You just need to buy SEO and SEM for me and that will solve all your problems. It's going to solve everything. Yeah, it's going to solve everything. And and we have found that time and time again that that's not the case. It's not the case because one, you feel, you feel, right? Facts, not feelings. Yeah, right. You feel like I should only put all the eggs in the basket of my store. Well, guess what? That agency is a vendor. Google is a vendor. Not saying they're good. Not saying bad. They are just a partner that is going to be utilization. It's a tool that you can utilize just like a third party provider. Right. Amen. So if if you throw all the eggs in that basket, yeah, you probably, you will probably see some changes. What I found a lot happens is dealers come to me and say, Hey, Micah, Who's the best third party to work with? I get that all the time. Who should I fire? Go look at your data. Go work the data. Go work the facts. Exactly. And that's what you have to do. And when you are looking at just CRM data, which Mm -hmm. is extremely valuable, but it's not the only piece of the puzzle. It's a small piece. It's a small piece, right? The CRM is the first obstacle out of maybe 30 that you have to run through, right? So take the CRM data and then you have, what, what is that? The third party reports, their own reporting. Mm -hmm. They have something that that they want to contribute. But if you don't own your own reporting, you are now going to be missing out on a huge piece. looks like Candace wrote something in. What is is Candace? Yeah, uh, seeing seeing things from their side, also throw in a look internally as well. I know, yeah, Candace, exactly. We were talking about that. Look at the website UX, user experience, sales process for chats, leads, et cetera. Then get the vendors to look at analytics. Then you can make an educated decision with all the facts and remove the feelings. And then we've got Peter saying just was on the call this morning about chat. And this is becoming tired. Yeah. Yeah, it's really true. And I will say as well with the chat is that, so let's say you've removed all those obstacles or you think you have the amount of times, and this is not, this is just once again, inspecting what you expect out of it is to go in and say, is the chat even connected? Because you could be paying for all this money and and you think that it's, you feel that it's working really well, but that you get in there like, oh, so we're paying for a Facebook integration and there's no integration whatsoever. And we've been paying it for years, but there's no integration. So your consumer wants to chat but you don't think that they're chatting, but it's because the chats are never getting to you. So once again, going in and looking at every aspect, whether it's the chat provider, then looking at, because then internally as well, who has access to your Facebook messenger and not just relying on set person or agency or whatever to say, does every single person throughout the entire process, people process and product are all three aligned with what you're trying to do because you're going to, if you're going to hold the vendor accountable, you better damn well hold your people accountable as well, because it's not, you can't just say, Oh, we're going to hold you accountable, but not hold our people accountable. No, it doesn't work that way. It's both ways. It 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 goes both ways. And, and for an example of, yeah, that, well, well, thank you, Angus. I appreciate that. I, thank you for the shout out. I appreciate yeah, that. Angus says that's why uh, that's why tools like Vistadas are essential. If you can't measure outcome accurately, you have to have data that uh, interconnects. CRM data sometimes shows that we have in-store processes issues. Uh, that's putting it lightly. Angus, <laughs> own your data and get it right. So, yes. so for an example, uh, and, and to take what Angus said as well as what Candace said, if you're tracking those chats, there's, you, you have to be tracking a couple things. 
One, you're looking at the user experience on the website. Now, if you're looking at, did they click on start the chat? You can track that, right? But that is not saying that the chat works. That's no. saying that the user experience to get to the button worked. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to see how effective the chat was, what events are that chat provider throwing off through the stages of that conversation? Now, those are other benchmarks. Now, that's not saying that the user experience was right on the website. This is now the user experience within the chat. So too often, we start seeing people evaluating the UX for the website to determine the effectiveness of the chat, but are not looking at the, the events and the effectiveness of the chat itself to determine what the true outcome is. So if you're not looking at all those micro activities throughout that chat session, you're not getting a good reading on if that chat is effective. You might only be getting a reading if your user experience through your website was effective. Those are two yeah. different metrics and need to be tracked in very different ways. And you've got, and, and with that, make it very, very clear what Micah is saying in order to measure that, you have to choose a vendor, partner, whatever you want to call it. You've got to choose a vendor, partner, whatever, a tool that will throw the events. And in order to throw those events, you have to choose a website provider that is going to allow those events to be thrown. Because if yeah. they don't right. throw those, you can't see into that. So whether it's a digital retailing, whatever button is on, whatever is sitting on top of the website, you have to have a a, a tool that will throw the events correctly and then a website provider that allows those events to be thrown correctly. So it's a, it, there's so many different layers to this, but once again, it takes the human aspect of it. It takes the uh, data part of it, but it takes so many different layers, but then to sit back and say, are we going through and checking all these different boxes? Because once again, who's holding who accountable? Does the left hand know what the right hand's doing? The problem is, is that they're checking boxes in a siloed world. Yes. Yes. So you have all of these focusing on a specific silo without interconnection, without mm -hmm. communication. And are you then looking at it? Does it does it work as a system? How often are we utilizing a chat tool or a say a trade appraisal tool for our vehicles that is an iframe <laughs> that has zero visibility whatsoever? So yeah, I'll track the click. But just a click doesn't tell me the it's outcome nothing. or the results. So that's Amen. where we now start talking about optimization, mm -hmm. right? We, we've talked about holding accountable. But if once we get past the point of accountability, now we're talking about optimization. Now, yeah. that is dependent and 100% reliant on the relationship with that partner. Yes. I'm holding you accountable. Please do. Hold me accountable. This is doing this. Okay, guess what? We need to pivot, make an adjustment, not a problem. A strong partner, right, will then say, what do we need to do? How do we make these adjustments? They can then pivot to optimization. Yeah. If you're saying, no, you don't know what you're talking about, Brooke. <laughs> you don't know. This is what we do. We're the experts. You don't we know, know everything. You can just go back and sit in your corner. We're king over here. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So the second that now that accountability turns into, well, do we have to maybe sever partnership? Mm -hmm. But the second they say, all right, what do you see from your data? This is what we're seeing from our data. Let's line it up. Let's see what kind of adjustments that we need to make and then make that pivot. And now let's optimize. For yeah. example, that SEM campaign, that SEM campaign that we talked about earlier, we didn't get the results that we're looking for. All right. What, what did we receive? 
all right, so let's make a shift in our strategy. Let's move this to a different level of that strategy. It's a, just a tactic. That's all it is. It's a different tactic. All right, so we're going to make that adjustment. Now, how do we fill that hole of what we were looking for? The problem is, is it does take testing. Yes. It takes testing. And the reason it takes testing is because of that same reason why I give the answer. I don't know what the best product or vendor for you to use is. Yeah. I don't because I don't know your process. I don't know your inventory. I don't know your pricing strategy. All these things all come into play. Field trip. All of these <laughs> things come into play when making decisions of your partnership. Yeah. And without seeing that data, it what is it? What is it? Prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. Yeah. Right. And that is what we see. People come in and say, you need to cut this, cut that, cut that without even saying, oh, well, well, I know because I'm an expert, but you're not an expert on when they bought those cars, how much they have into those cars, what their sales staff is. Is it a one price? Is it a, is it a negotiating? Uh, what is their uh, trade process? What is their uh, used vehicle acquisition? You have far too many data points to just assume that this is the right partnership for you. So then when you're looking at it, optimization and testing is got to be a key part of your overall strategy because you're going to run into an obstacle and you might have to use your arms rather than your hands to overcome it again. So if someone, and I know this has happened to every single dealer, it's happened to all of us that, Hey, I have been burned by a company before they said that they could do, they could last all the sun, the moon, the stars, and they couldn't. So what's some advice to give to our audience, to dealers that are listening, whether live or on the on the restream here that, Hey, how, what are those questions I can ask or how can I vet the companies better? Yeah. Yeah. So, so asking the questions, what are the goals of your campaigns? What are the goals of a partnership with you? What in asking that question right off the top, the, the, the moment somebody says we are the one-stop solution for all of your automotive needs, all of your automotive marketing needs, I would say, all right, let's not talk about that. What are you really good at? Where, what do you think is your strength? How long have you rep been with the company? What is your background? So, and, and this is of no fault of your own. Okay. I, I have been in the industry 20 plus years, and I've seen people that have been uh, working for AutoTrader, Cars.com, True Cars, CarGurus, all the third-party providers that have been in the industry for years, decades, and they know the industry. And you can ask them those questions, and they can give you a great background and give you great insights. I've also seen that they are straight out of college. They have no automotive experience. They don't understand inventory and how it relates to the overall process within a store. They don't understand salespeople, and they were hired to become an exec account executive into a market that they just needed to buy. I've seen it both. Yeah. Now, that's not saying that that young, uh, new, maybe not educated, not as seasoned. I've got a lot of seasoning on me after these years. I may be over-seasoned. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that's a good seasoning. That, good seasoning. Just yeah, a little seasoning. It could go down a bad path talking about how seasoned <laughs> your people are, but but that doesn't necessarily make give it a fault. But what they've been, what has happened is they have had their. Uh, well, I wasn't sure if that was James again. I thought, uh, I thought it was too. <laughs> yeah. So, so just because they are answering your questions and saying 
you know, directly from the auto trader playbook doesn't necessarily mean um, that they are trying to misguide you, right? Uh, we automatically think that this is, um, once again, going down that path of vilification. So when you ask those questions of those uh, of those account executives, of those sales professionals, getting the getting to the, the meat and potatoes of it is going to be interviewing them and their background before being able to make that decision. Some some of the other questions is how how do you how do you do what you do that's different from everybody else? And they'll say, well, we have a secret sauce, oh. or we have we have a pr proprietary dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> sure you proprietary. Do. So is at that, that point, if you have proprietary, do we own our own data? That's another great question. <laughs> we, 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 could, we could go down that whole open API conversation that other people have had. Yeah, we, yeah, we do have a little bit more salt and pepper, don't we, Peter? Yeah. Uh, I, I get a little salty on that one there for sure, Micah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think... Uh, I, yeah, I don't think we need to dive into the open API proprietaries of my data, whose data. We don't have to dive into those conversations on this call. No, but, no. I think people know where we stand on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think other people may have handled it on LinkedIn earlier. Mm -hmm. in, yeah. In a way that is only characteristic of them. So we'll leave it at that. Yes. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Sean's saying that the Micah is the perfect amount of seasoning, and Peter Smith just says, "Mike, I have I have more salt than pepper in the seasoning." <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. My, my uh, I was talking to my daughter. She's in college. I was FaceTiming her the other day, and she goes, "Dad, when did you get so much white in your beard?" It's like, it's <laughs> is that the salt? That's the salt. Let's go with that. Yeah, um, right. So w with that, without, you know, once again, just trying to help the audience here, what are some pitfalls that companies encounter when trying to optimize the vendor relationships and how, how can they avoid them? So it, it's knowing when you're optimizing and knowing when you're overspending. Yes. That's the problem. Yeah, I'm recently. <laughs> we're going to be going off the rails here anytime. Uh, anytime now. We're off the rails. All right. So. Being able to have set determined goals and, and having those benchmarks for spends, outcomes, uh, and overall strategy with those uh, conversations, uh, they're going to tell you they're doing good. That's, what, that's, the, that's the, the, the nature of the game. You're doing great. You should spend more money. When you have a partner say, hey, you know what? This didn't work too well. We need to make an adjustment. That is a partner that is not looking at it from, hey, I just need to increase spend. The best partners will tell you this did not serve you. We need to make an adjustment. Yep. Yeah. It's and and the problem is is is, is avarice, right? And I think that's we see that a lot. Uh, advice with avarice is abhorrent. Is one of the phrases that I've been working through. Advice yeah. with avarice is abhorrent. So if hey. they're making advice. But it's based upon how do they then increase their spend with, you know, increasing the spend. Now it's, it's tainted. But if they say, you know what, I'm gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to cut this and we're going to increase this so that you have a net that's the same. However, we're going to look at slowly increasing this as we see it perform. Now you have somebody that's not just going out there to increase your spend, but they're, they're evaluating the data based upon the guidelines that you have set up saying these are the goals of this partnership. Are they lining up? If not, 
how many of them do. All right, cool. We'll just get we'll just get rid of one of them. All right. So now we're looking at these three goals. This is what it is. Our spend has been diminished. I can now take that money and test another partner. Yep. Once okay. One one thing I've learned about in this business is if you're a marketing director and you fought and you got that budget, you hold on to that budget. But yes, if you don't have a portion of your budget and optimization towards uh, through testing and trying out new things, you are you are hurting yourself as an organization. So that has got to be a key piece to that strategy overall. So you're aligning those goals. What are the, what are the goals? If you don't have those established, you can always reach out and, and reach out to us. and We can talk to you about how to, how to do that as well. But if you're not focused on those outcomes, then you're missing out. But I want to caveat that because I heard a, a person for years, years say this whenever they were selling their product. And, and it's, it's a common one. It's called DISC. Do you know what DISC stands oh, for? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. The DISC strategy. Yep. Does it sell cars? Mm-hmm. And the does it sell cars? Four letters. There we go. All of a sudden, we're like, there's like, does it like sell wait, cars? wait, 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 wait. I can't yeah. count. Obviously. Um, does it sell cars? And the answer is no. No. Every, every single product that is uh, a vendor is bringing to you does not sell cars. No. It's, it, it creates opportunities. It creates leads. It Brandy. creates, it, yeah, it's branding. This is, this is awareness. Each parts of these strategies are separate, right? All these different tactics are separate, but the final person or the product that sells cars is a human being. And I, and, and I, I have said that, and I've, I always thought, you know, early on when I got into the vendor world and selling digital marketing and I'm going to sell social media, social media does this and reviews online does this. And those are all just stages on the consumer journey. They don't actually sell it. Human interaction, positive or negative, creates that outcome of does it sell cars or not. Amen. So how does that process line up with the product that that vendor is uh, selling you, right? So one thing that we do is we take a look at all the opportunities, all the opportunities that come in from all sources. Now, if when you start looking at the total number of opportunities from all sources, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It might not be a lead issue. Let's take a look at how often are we working these leads? What's our activity per lead? Yep. Now, that might be the issue you need to focus on. It's not getting more leads or different leads. It's how are we handling the leads that we have. I am now looking at reports of stores that are averaging touching each lead 15 times. Mm-hmm. I have other stores I see that only touch them three times. Yep. But they're also wondering, where's the quality? Why aren't we selling any more cars? Well, if you we're working the leads more or in a better process not sending templates to them not sending templates to them having more so i I recently was in the process of of of, uh of refreshing my home fleet i've got five kids and and a spouse and we all have driving needs so i needed to refresh the fleet and i'll tell you the the dealers that were sending me videos on a regular basis engaging with me connecting with me saying, Hey, this is what we have. These are some of the options and did it via video. They're the ones that stood out. I had, I had people in the market where I'm at that didn't start following up with me until after I'd already bought. It's crazy. 
Yeah. And that's, and, and Micah, no joke, just this past week or in, the, in this month, I've had multiple conversations with clients exactly on this topic where it was, they, they felt that the lead opportunity, they call these, I call it, I don't like, I, this is just a bad word. I might lose a bad taste in my mouth. It's an opportunity that they were down. And when we actually got into it, not only were they up for the last 60 days, I go, the provider that you feel is doing you wrong actually has better engagement, better engagement to your VDP. But the problem is, is once they get to in-house, you guys are dropping the ball. So let's talk about this. This is how many leads you're getting per month. How many people do you have in-house right now? Okay, you guys are like 100% understaffed. And then from there, this, so we just started going down. I'm like, but here's the facts and the data that are showing what's happening. Now, while you feel this way, it's actually exact opposite. You guys are getting more opportunities and more swings the bat than you've ever had before and you're falling flat on your face as nothing stop blaming the, the whether it's the lead provider whether it's the opportunity whatever it is you're having more swings at the bat 100 percent, and well, you're whiffing so so we get we're getting more swings at the bat because we have more balls to swing at right we've got more mm-hmm. it's not necessarily uh more leads but it was more leads but we also have more inventory inventory is coming back yep, yep. So people are asking the question is it still there What's your best price? They're asking these questions. They're submitting these leads. Now in a spot where we're starting to get inventory back into lots across North America. And so what happens? We got more, we got more vehicles. Cost per lead. Cost per sale. Might need a little clarification. Yeah, Jeff, what, uh, yeah. clarify that. Because I know the next question we're coming through is metrics, but yeah, yeah clarify that yeah. for us, Jeff, please. Yeah. So, so we have more inventory. So that increases visibility on third-party provider sites. It increases if you're working with a vendor, an SEM provider that's utilizing your inventory to optimize uh, VIN-based strategies for uh, bidding and and for your uh, your uh, PPC campaigns, right? So you're mm-hmm. looking at, so you're going to start seeing that. But how are we handling those as they're coming in? Salespeople sell cars. Yeah. A lot of people right now have been talking about getting back to the basics, getting back to Getting back to the basics. Well, here's the thing. What's basic doesn't work. Okay. What what is the basics? Oh, I gotta wait, I gotta sell, I gotta I gotta create value. Gotta, doing just being a human being and working a lead the way that you should. Um, I think the basics have changed. It's not just XYZ that you need to do. The new basics is utilizing video follow-up. It's utilizing building up value on a regular basis. And guess what? Sometimes you're going to have to work, to, you know, send that customer a couple more phone calls, a couple more leads, maybe start chatting with them and texting. Um, that's what you have to do. You have to pivot. The obstacle is getting bigger, right? You might have to jump a little bit higher mm-hmm. to get the result that you wanted. And guess what? The the uh, the This is one thing that I got to say is just like the grosses might not be as big, at the end of a race, I used to get a whole handful of snacks. Now I get one <laughs> banana and a, and, a, and a lukewarm can of Fit Aid. So, yeah, I may not be not as, get as much growth out of each deal, but at least I completed it, got something. It's going to be the same with these leads. You're going to be working them, and you know what? Your grosses are not going to be the 15, 20 grand over sticker anymore, right? And guess what? You might have to give up some of the gross on this deal because you buried them in the last one. Yeah, and you can't take that car so, back. But yeah, and you can't take that car back. And not that there were times that you know uh, uh, 
that we would make suggestions in our business of maybe just a Burger King bag and a lit match in the back seat with gap protection and you're fine. But no one's ever made that. No one's ever done that. Nobody's ever done that. So uh, I, Jeff hasn't came back here, so I, I'm going to kind of ask the question for him is, oh, let's see. Well, we got a few. Well, maybe he did come in here. Maybe we'll see here. here but you know, While we're saying that real quick, I do want to just uh, uh, touch on what that co- previous comment was. Um, it was the, uh, build, the basics are building relationship, not treating it as a transactional sale. Yeah. And I, I would say I would say that kind of I say the basics are being I, to be able to identify the shoppers who want a relationship and who wants it to be transactional. That's the basic now. It's not all is based upon relationship. It's identifying, is this a transactional customer? Is this a relationship-based customer? And being able to evaluate that and identify that early on, that's the basic. Because I, in many cases, don't need a relationship. I want to transact. I want to get by what I want to buy. This is the price I want to pay for it. And if I can just find that, I will just do it. I don't need, in some cases, to be wined and dined in order to determine who I'm going to work with. So I, I just want to say, I just wanted to touch on that. Yes, that is important. Dealers miss cost per lead or auto trader low, but no car sold on those leads. Um, if you're mm-hmm. looking at, so, so okay, let, let's have that conversation. So let's open up your CRM and take a look at all your auto trader leads and then you're sold. A couple things I want to ask. Two, has things been uh, reported properly in the CRM, the sold vehicles? That's the first thing I would ask. One, if you have radio, other, newspaper, above, auto trader, in the drop down in the CRM, people might just grab that, right? They're just grabbing one of the, the, the path of least resistance. So first, find out if you have everybody doing the process properly. Secondly, CRM gives you part of the story, yeah. right? Right? So that gives you just one part of the story. What other type of traffic did AutoTrader generate to your website that resulted in website leads coming into the CRM that AutoTrader is actually the one that actually is providing those, uh, those opportunities? Now, if you're not tracking that, you're missing out on a huge value proposition from your third-party providers. That is now... When we're looking at these third-party data points, everyone focuses on, I sold the car, auto trader sold it, right? Auto trader sold it. Yeah, Fun. and that's not that's uh, not the metric you should be looking at. Why didn't you sell them is the other metric that you should mm-hmm. be trying to figure out. Now, if you're just looking for attribution, you can get some of that. Buzzword bingo, there we go. There we go. If you're looking <laughs> can get some of that by going through your CRM and and some of that but that is not the race you're in the race I want to know where I lost it where did I lose it lost it mm-hmm. yeah where did right? I lose it where's what? where's the water leaking out of my house that's why I want to know 100%. yeah so when I go back and look at the race that I just ran right which it's not the, oh yeah I, I beat that obstacle great yeah. all right cool I, I I sold it I beat that obstacle that's not my focus. My mm-hmm. focus is what do I need to do so I don't fail at this yeah. obstacle? Where do I need I to improve? I want to sell that car. Yeah, or where do I want to improve? Mm-hmm. So being able to track where that water is falling out of the bucket mm-hmm. is going to be imperative in being able to look at that. Because just saying, you know what, they're not selling me any cars. Well, Are they no. though? And I'll, well, I'll say with that as well, is like obviously you 
I know that you're with Vista Dash. I get that. And and this is, I, I personally, BZ Consultants chooses to partner with Vista Dash. And it's because you, Vista Dash is product agnostic. So when I can go back and look and say, okay, did, well, he's got AutoTrader up here, Jeff, and someone to use AutoTrader. Okay, AutoTrader may have sent X amount of leads. Leads, we'll call them. But that's not just what they sent. I can go back and say, okay, from there, all right, dealer X or dealer Y well, let's look at this. You're, you only have 80% of your vehicles priced to market. You only have 70% of your new vehicles have photos. Oh, wait a second. Of those, they're not even priced at all, but your used vehicles. So you, you were able to see from there exactly the entirety of the story of saying, before you go and cancel them, you, you literally left AutoTrader out to dry. And so before you go and cancel AutoTrader, go back and look and say, is it even optimized? Because it's not optimized, you can't blame them. And then from there, okay, I can see even with all that, they're actually driving traffic to our VDP time and time and time again. Even though those leads didn't come in, they drove traffic to our VDP. And from there, we're still closed on an 8%. How the crap are we doing that considering we, we, as our partner at the dealership, really just screwed them over, which is quite, quite amazing. So looking at that from a holistic approach is so incredibly key. But too often we go to the CRM report, which I will go to my, my good old Jordans. I, I'll, I'll get, a, hey, the new Jordans look coming out. So I, I, I look at Soul Collector and I see it on there. My first thing is I go to Google or I get an email and I click on that. But then I go to Facebook, I get retargeting ads. Then I go to Instagram, get a retargeting ad. But at the end of the day, where am I actually buying the shoe? I'm buying it on Nike or sneaker app. But does that mean that Nike's like, well, that's it. Uh, we got to more invest in Nike. Well, no, there was 30 other touch points before then. Yeah. Who's getting the credit for it? The same thing with our auto industry. There's so many other things that are going through and giving us credit. I mean, Google did a study. It was like 900 touch points. Yeah, there's attribution is going to be everywhere. I want to know as an owner, where am I missing the boat and looking at all that? Yeah, exactly. So, and, and I, I like the, I like the great chatting with you, Candace. Hi Candace. Thank you. Um, so when, when we're talking to the auto trader, the cars.com, I mean, auto traders always had a big target on it because they're one of the biggest nationally, you know, it's, it's, but, but what happens so often is they people look at a third party provider differently than they do say a Google spec. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, that's a huge disconnect. Uh, when you were looking at how a shopper goes through auto trader, they search, they go to the search bar, they put in keywords, right? They look for keywords. So your auto trader is a search strategy just as much as it is with SEM, right? You are, you, the third party providers are search engines, right? Within a specific network. That's how they're connected. So now when we take a look at, well, what are you spending with your SEM providers? How often have we gone in and taken a look at shop you know, dealers buying their own name, right? Buying their own name and then saying, well, look at all the, look at all the leads I've got coming in. Okay. Well, what we started to find is the sheer volume of SEM spend on your own name began cannibalizing on your own organic traffic. Mm -hmm. So you had a huge disparity. You had a huge disparity out of that, of what you thought was out, what, what the actual outcome should have been. So I've seen it time and time again. Here's just a quick, easy way. If you think you're spending too much on paid search, take a look at all your paid search traffic coming in and your organic traffic and direct traffic coming in. If it's a one-to-one, -one, okay, if you have just as much organic 
as you do paid, you're spending too much on paid. That's a that's a quick easy. That's a quick easy. Now, because it's a quick easy, it's just a, a it's just a quick notifier. Now let's take a look. Where where am I spending my money? Which campaigns? Now start breaking it down. All right, these are branding campaigns. These are my own name campaigns. You want a quick one? Start evaluating what that shopper did. You want a quicker one? Find out what phone calls went in the store when they hit that button and click the call. Did it? Did that phone call end up going to your service department or your sales department? Breaking that down. Okay. So as a so basically, your ad, your your binding your own name is just basically a really expensive phone book. Yep. And they would have got there anyways. They would have got there anyways. So that's a quick and easy, quick adjustment. Now. When it comes to the third, to jump, jump back to third-party providers, I had seen it, we've seen it time and time again, where we weren't getting any leads in the CRM from this provider. We saw activity, maybe we saw some referral traffic, but we didn't see any CRM, any leads. When was the last time you did an audit of your third-party provider's email addresses? Yep. And where those or, or your VIN or, or your CRM, your XML. Did you change it? Did you change it? Did you change it? Did it get, yeah. Or did somebody change it right before they went to a different dealership? Oh yeah, so we, we, all the time. We, once, we found it just recently. Uh, was it about thirty-two leads, an average a month of email leads that were going to a personal email address of a salesperson that no longer worked there? Mm-hmm. Oh. Why, why? Why aren't we selling any car, cars on cars.com? Well, your former employee is selling cars on cars.com. Yes. Or, or I love the and one that, we're, we're actually doing the, dealing with this right now uh, with a client that randomly the funness and this is a whole topic in itself, but GTM containers and so randomly a GTM containers th- randomly showed up on their website and it's tracking double page views. And so I just go take it off your website immediately. Please take it off your website because whoever did this, you guys either didn't know you approved it or just it, it randomly me got put on the OEM. I don't know who put it on, but whoever it is. They'll, if they don't want it on, the taking it off is going to immediately tell you who it is. So that also is going to, that's going to screw up your metrics, man. Like it's, there's so many moving parts to your data and whether it's the CRM, whether it's any of this stuff. Yeah. So uh, just, just a quick, quick thing for anybody that's, that is watching that is on VistaDash. If you log in to one of your stores, you will see the GTM, the container right up top you will see exactly which one is a VistaDash one. We clearly lay that out so that there's no question. So that when he's like, oh, should I get rid of this one? Well, let's go check in VistaDash. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to delete that one. Just a quick, that's just a quick, easy one. But that changes. Uh, Another one that happens commonly is you have multiple people accessing the container. Yes. At the same time. And all the work that a provider might have been doing for you in tracking events and goals, all of a sudden, is all gone. Yep. It's, it's completely wiped out. So that's another thing that you have to be mindful for. But the, the, the multiple page views, the double firing, one of the things that we found that, that happens is, yeah, you got it set up in the events in the container, but you never take it out of the native uh, events firing off of the website. So yep. double firing is a common thing that we see. It is extremely common. Usually we start seeing that the traffic is 50% of what it actually is uh, mm-hmm. on page views right off the bat. And it's not necessarily because the shop. Uh, this is where that vilification comes in. Mm-hmm. Did they did they do that because of being evil or just ignorant? 
Yeah. And ignorant is not necessarily a negative thing. Just they just don't know. know. They just don't know. Don't so know. sometimes that happens. So making that aware is one of the one of the things that we come up with. Two things here. Jeff had asked about. Uh, he was a, a light. It sounded like, and he was doing. Stop like texting. <laughs> so Jeff, yeah, about CRM that it is 100% its last touch. So whatever the last point into the CRM, that's what it's going to track. So yes, it was last touch. And I guess that we kind of talked about this. I don't know if you wanted to sum this up. They're just like in general, there are so many different metrics that are being thrown out there. So many different metrics out there. And oh, you need to track this. And, and, and I, to say to, oh, track this and this, we really can't do that because there's so many different metrics. But yeah. to measure success in, a, in, in, in that vendor relationship and to measure that tr- and to make an informed decision, what are those like key metrics that you would say that they should be tracking or to hone? And we know we kind of talked about it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if we're talking about overall campaign health, looking at the different goals that we've done, that are firing off of what you consider a conversion. Um, and I know that's we've got a whole lot of conversations that are going to be shifting with that topic yes. over the next few months, right? We yeah, got that, 100 days? Still, ish. Yeah, ish. We'll, we'll see. Ish. Who knows? <laughs> But but th- those would be from from looking in from a campaign level. Now, when you're talking about overall budget spends, cost per lead, cost per uh, cost per spend, um, what's your overall gross profit? Taking a look at those metrics when it comes to the overall cost per sale is going to be huge for you as well. Now, what it should be and what it could be are two very different things. You know, we got the good old uh, our partners. We, we're partners with National Outdoors Association. You know, they've always said kind of that benchmark is six hundred dollars cost per sale is about what you're looking at. Now, the question is, is what is it for you and your market based upon your inventory, based upon your staffing? That is an adjustment that you've got. You can't necessarily look at all industry standards. You have to look at where you are and create the benchmarks from your data set. So those are the other pieces that I would say are imperative to start tracking. Now, just because you're not lowering your cost per lead, cost per acquisition, doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. What's going on with gross profit? What's going on with turn? What's going on with floor plan? Uh, what's going on with your cost per uh, your cost per human capital? What are those adjustments? Those are all things that come into consideration as well. So if we we're just to say, hey, these are the blanket statements of KPIs, that's as 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 hard as saying which vendor should I find? Which which is the best vendor? <laughs> yes. So I was like, I was like putting these questions. I'm like, that's such a tough one, but I I know that people ask all the time. Well, what's the best thing? I'm like, well. First off, make sure that your Google Analytics is set up correctly. Make sure that you have the correct goals, that you're measuring the goals that are they're set up with CPE goals, that they're hard and soft goals, that you've got those, that you're measuring the correct stuff, and that you're constantly evaluating them. Because you and I both know this. How many times do you have something set up and it just falls off the website or something's not working? Or they add some new little whatever on there. Now, everything's changing, obviously. Things are now it's event-based and everything like that. So... But just making sure things are done correctly and that, that they're across the board, that you're constantly looking and inspecting what you expect out of whatever insert name here. If, if, if you're looking for set it and forget it, you're in the wrong <sighs> industry. Yes. yes. And, and that's, that's a harsh truth. Right. Because I want to just set I just want to make sure that my this is this is the set of goals that I have. I'm just going to set it. And if it matches up, great. If you're not expecting it, maintaining it and managing it on a regular basis, you're going to fail. It's plain and simple. I'm not saying that you're going to fail because you don't have the social media partner. You're not going to fail. You're not failing because you don't have auto trigger. You're going to fail because you don't have the accountability metrics that we talked about early on set so that you can properly optimize. And that's the issue that we see in this in this industry. I get it all the time. What is the best vendor? 
what is the All best the provider? And I, I, you got almost have to ask, when was the last time you got better and were educating yourself on it? Because the second I tell you who the best is or who the worst is, what I just did was not talk to you about facts. I talked to you about your feelings. Yep. I am projecting your feelings of either validating your decision. Oh, yeah. I use them. That means I'm doing the right thing. I don't need to. I don't need to check anything else. Or if I tell you that I, what you did was a bad decision, now your feelings come in play, and all of a sudden it becomes the vilification, then oh, yeah. validation or vilification. And here's the thing: it's a little secret. It's come not good or e it's not good or evil. Good and evil. It's not. No. This is. This is. This. You are not fighting for the moral victories of the automotive world. All right. You are selling cars, right? Metal. You're just trying to do it better than everybody else. You're trying to get better opportunities than everybody else. And you're doing it with the skills that you have. And the only way you can do that and to get better is accountability and optimization. And that is it. Not good, not bad. Just do the work. Amen, man. Uh, uh, amen. It's the amount, the number of times that, that someone will, I, I even like me, like, it's like, Hey, I know geographically that statistically certain people or certain agencies or products were made you better. But if I go into that with that mindset, I would be proved wrong over and over and over again. You have to go in with the data and work the data. So Micah, oh my goodness. Thank you so much. This has been an incredible conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now we've got to get in to know you a little bit better. Like we, we've spent a whole bunch of time and you just basking us with your knowledge and learning from you, but it is time to jump into the lightning round. Harpy still, harpy still. All right. All right. All lightning, right. Round. lightning round, lightning round. All right. First and foremost, for those that are obviously if you're watching, we've got right down by hello. You've got Micah, you've got his personalized link where you, you can go find him. But for those that are listening, how can they find you? How can they get in touch with you? All right. 612-406-0877 is my phone number. I'm you can text me or call me. 612-406-0877 or LinkedIn. I'm not on social media anymore. There was a time I was. It's not my bag. I moved up. So LinkedIn or uh, hop on the phone and reach out and call me. Okay. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Right there, LinkedIn. There we go. All right. So what is your favorite thing to do outside of work? If you're unwinding, what is your what is your thing to do? What's your go-to? Uh, yoga and running. All right. One or the other. Yeah. One, one or the other. If we're going to find yeah. them. All right. Yeah. What is, what's your favorite vacation spot? Uh, favorite vacation? Uh, mountains. I love Glacier. Glacier, Grand Tetons. If I can be out in the, out in nature on a mountainside, that's that's it right there for me. Yeah, I love it. All right, all right. We've talked a lot about distinguishing, you know, facts from feelings. But in, whether it's personal or if it's in the business world, how are you distinguishing facts from feelings? Well, I, I think that uh, I've been studying the Stoics quite a bit, and I think one thing that we've done uh, it, that to our detriment is that we talk about people being passionate. And if we've learned anything about the Stoics and the Stoicism is that passion is something that we need to start to go away from and then and, and not try to control and allowing our emotions to determine our outcomes and our decision making. So uh, by studying, you know, Seneca, uh, Epictetus, 
Marcus Aurelius, uh, Ryan Holiday, who is a, a, a contemporary study of the Stoics uh, and their writings, that's going to give us a little bit better insights into how to navigate and actually look at accountability and optimization and getting better as an individual without allowing our emotions to hold us back. That that was a pretty deep one, man. I like it. Dang. <laughs> man. <laughs> All right. All right. So what do you love most about our industry? The opportunity. The opportunities that it, that it has brought. Um, you know, I graduated high school, had a young family, started selling cars, uh, working on the sales floor, working my way up into sales management, finance manager, uh, GSM, and then being able to go into the vendor world and start finding a niche there, too. Um, I, I think that this, uh, this industry is uh, meritocracy. Um, you you are you are you benefit from the hard work that you actually do. So that's that is uh, what I really believe is a great part of our industry. Um, me personally, I'm not a huge car fan. I, I like driving cars, but I don't get all geeked out on it. It's a form of transportation. What I like is being able to work hard and execute and do something that benefits my family. I love it, man. So I'm actually going to skip the favorite car question then, and we're going to go to oh, well, it's, a, it, it's a Jeep. It's okay, 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 okay. It's, it's, it's <laughs> okay. It's there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, what, is, what advice would you give your younger self? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Nope. All right. Nope. Love it. Uh, I'm, I, I, am the, I am the sum of every single experience, I and it. I cannot move forward if I don't accept all the aspects of who I am and how I got here. So if I saw my, my former self, I just keep on walking. I love it. I love it. You are, you're always the words, the wise words that come out of you. So do you have a favorite quote? Uh, you're going to die. <laughs> All right. You're, you're going uh, to die. Yeah, That's you it. are. That's okay. it. You're going to die. Um, you know, that, that is, that is my favorite quote. You're going to die. And because of that, you have X amount of time. You don't know when it's going to happen. You only have X amount. So get as much of this life experience out of it. Don't focus on only the negative things. That is the that is the target. Is you're going to die, so live. Man, that's I man that that's a good one, man. I I would have never thought to put that. In, I love it though. And uh, real quickly, Stephen saying Bravo, Broken Micah, our industry is great. Always getting better with contributions from you. Well, thank you, Stephen. Really appreciate it. Right back at you, buddy. All right. Well, Micah, man, as always, you know how much I appreciate you uh, and everything you're doing. Obviously. You love you, man. So thank you so much for everything you're doing and just everything that, that you contribute as a human. And then as obviously with what you do yourself in the automotive issue. So super, super appreciative. So with that, everyone, thank you so much for being a part of this and all the comments rolling in. I really, really appreciate it and your engagement and everything everyone's doing. And with that, everyone, have a wonderful rest of your day. Find a way, please, to help someone serve one today. It doesn't matter. As you all know, I say this every time is to a kind smile, open up the door for someone, make someone's day a little bit better today. And with that, everyone, we will see everyone next week. You've been listening to Facts Not Feelings with Brooke Furness. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Leave us a rating. If you know a friend or a colleague will benefit from today's episode, share it with them. Until next week, find a way to serve someone. Find a way to help your neighbor. Remember, we are all in this together.